We're going to talk about worship. And we're learning about music in this series. Uh, I hope you've learned something along the way. Um, Tonight we're going to talk about the subject of worship because I think it kind of goes hand in hand, uh, not only with the subject of music, but also with the testimonies you just heard tonight. Uh, John chapter number four, John chapter number four, and we're going to talk about, first off, the association of, mu- of worship, and, and really tonight's theme, what I hope to be able to get to, is, is, is worship and where do you stand in light of that? Worship and where do you stand in light of that? Look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4, look if you would down at verse number uh, 20. And by the way, uh, this is Jesus Christ talking to this Samaritan woman at the well. If you ever want a great example, has anybody here ever tried to witness to somebody and then you get stuck and you really don't know where to go from there, you're not sure what to say? If you've ever witnessed, you can raise your hand and say, I've been through that, right? Well, if, if you want a little bit of help with that, I would encourage you to study John chapter 4. We're going to study all of that tonight. Uh, but the reason I encourage you to do that is because the greatest soul winner that ever lived is Jesus Christ. And, and there's a pattern of how to deal with objections and how to deal with political arguments and cultural racial arguments and this and that. How do I deal with all of that and still get the gospel? How do I get, get the truth, the meat of the matter, out to the person that needs it? And he does uh, the best job of it. The best job of it. Uh, look at verse number 20. Uh, this is a, 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 the woman at the well arguing this. And, and we'll look back at verse 19. She says that she's coming closer and closer in their conversation. And she says in verse 19, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fa- in other words, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite there to say you're the Messiah yet. She's going to get there eventually. But now she's saying, I perceive you're, thou art a prophet. Look at verse 20. Our fathers, Samaritans, worshipped in this mountain, and ye say, you Jews, that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to what? Worship. worship. Jesus saith unto her woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. In other words, she was attributing worship with just a physical place. And what the Lord is trying to show her is that worship is not just confined to a physical place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Worship is not just here at church when the instruments are playing and when the band is going. That's not, that's, oftentimes in American Christian culture, there's a worship service where we come to church and there's the elite musicians that play and do their thing and we're kind of participating and watching and observing. Let me just say this. Worship is not just confined to a physical place on this planet. Worship is a place in your heart. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number uh, 23. But the hour cometh, and now is, right now, this is what the Lord's looking for, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in what two elements? Spirit, Spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship. You know what God's looking for? People that will worship Him the right way. Right. So what that tells you is whatever worshiping is, I should figure that out because He's looking for that right? Uh, Look at verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him, what's the next word? Must. It's not, if you feel like it, if you want, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. All right, Brother Tim, if you'd open us up in a word of prayer, sir. Amen. Be seated if you would. Let me, let me remind you that the first time anyone in the Bible looks for anybody, it's not man looking for God, it's God looking for man. Right. 
And you learn about that in the Garden of Eden. The first example between the, inner, the, the, uh, the relationship between God and man and anyone looking for anybody, it's not man looking for God, it's the other way around. The Bible says all we like sheep have, le- have, have gone what? Astray. We followed our own way and what the Lord had to do is he had to go and seek us out. And so here you learn in John chapter 4 is this woman is arguing from a cultural and racial and, and, and kind of a political standpoint. You guys are over here and we're over here and you worship in that place and we worship in this place. The Lord's like, hey, it isn't about the place. Yes, church should be special. This should be a holy place. But can I give you some update, guys? Your car should be holy. And not because Nacho Libre sprinkles some holy water on it, right? That's... A, That's not why. Your car should be holy. Your house should be holy. Your children should be holy. Your mind should be holy because you belong to God. And if you're going to do anything in your life to to, to please him, as was said earlier, you're going to have to find out, God, what pleases you? Well, if he's looking for something and he says, man, I'm seeking this, that shows you he's pleased by it. He is looking for true worshipers. And the two elements that he mentions are spirit and truth. Now, let me say this much. Uh, oftentimes people talk about spirit and like, you know, I, I felt this. And by the way, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. The problem is this. When you indicate that, that by feeling something, that your feelings trump whatever the truth is from the word of God. That's when there's a problem. I, I think there are some Bible believers that need some more feeling in their life. How you doing? Good. Aren't you glad to be saved? Real glad. <laughs> you're not going to convince anybody of that. I'm not sure you're convinced yourself. You know, it's like, you know, you walk some people, it's just like they're there, but they're not there. And let me just say that this, when that's the case in your life, there's, there's something off in your relationship with the Lord. That means you are not filled with the Spirit. All right. When you're filled with the Spirit, there ought to be some emotion. You know, so you're going, oh, Pastor Adrian's teaching emotionalism. Quite the contrary. But truth should stir you a little bit. All right. You ought to be stirred by some things from the Word of God. So the Lord says, look, there's nothing wrong with feeling, but you don't throw truth out the window and go, well, it feels good. All right? And at the same time, you don't go, we got truth. Yeah, we do. Oh, worship the King, all glorious. Uh, I've watched some people while they're singing at church. Just like you are not connected at all to what's going on. All right, if the song stopped right there and, and the whole church quit singing, no one could hear that you were at all. You know why? Because, man, you're dis- you are somewhere else. Spiritually, you're not there. All right, it is not, listen, the way the Lord looks at it is, yes, truth is the foundation, but there's nothing wrong with being filled with the Spirit. Right. Now, now, we're a Baptist church. We didn't talk about that. You ought to, it's biblical to be filled with the Spirit. Now, now, where the charismatics go off is they go, it just felt good. The music felt good. And it got me going. And it was kind of like a, anyone know anything about mantras? It kind of builds. And as it builds, it goes up. And I get more excited and more excited and more excited and more excited. And then at the end of the message, I don't know anything that just happened. I've got no truth to go home to. I've got nothing to take. I've got no changes I'm going to make in my life. I felt good for 30 minutes and I'm done. It's kind of like taking a hit from a drug and then you're over. That's not how worship should be. Both of them. It is not a matter of should I have truth or should I have spirit. They should both be present. And, and the way the Lord lays it out is very, very clear. Now, we're going to learn about this because oftentimes people associate, when you talk about music and you talk about Christians learning about music, they automatically talk about uh, uh, worship. So, so I want to teach a little bit about worship. Look at Genesis chapter 22 tonight. Genesis chapter 22. Let me just say this. You do worship something, whether you realize it or not. Some of you, and I don't mean this, I'm, I'm just going to tell the truth like it is. Some of you worship yourself. You know how I know that? If anyone says anything about you, boy, Katie, bar the door. They could talk about your God, and you're like, well, that's just your opinion. They talk about you, it's like, how dare you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Some people worship their family. Well, if Junior feels that, well, Junior needs a parent to tell him what is right. Uh, amen amen i'm sorry guys kids need leaders right uh, you know some people worship their their intellect you ever got in a conversation with someone you can just tell they ooze with it 
You're like, you, know, you just think they're so smart and so intellectual, and I've been educated, and I know, and you don't. And they see things like this. Well, if I was like you, right? You know, and I, didn't, I was never educated. I believe in God, too, right? You ever been around that? People worship all kinds of stuff. Uh, some of you worship ed- uh, entertainment. You know how I know? Because you walk around with the phone everywhere you go. And you, get, you go to the bathroom, and you go, and listen, when you're ba- in the 80s, you go to the bathroom for five minutes, someone thinks something's wrong with you. Right. Now people are in the bathroom for 30 minutes, and no one questions it. Right. I, am I making you guys a little awkward? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to get you to think a little bit. You, you, there are things that you worship in your life, whether you realize it or not. Right. Some of you worship what people think about you. Some of you worship your friends. Some of you, you worship something. You are not going to escape life without worshiping something, dedicating and devoting. You say, what is worship? Let me, let me read this as you turn to Genesis 22. It is excellence of character, dignity, worth, or worthiness. It is honor, respect, or civil, uh, civil deference. It, it, the act of worshiping is to adore, all right, to pay divine honor, to treat with civil reverence, to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. That's worship. And if it's in the right direction, it's to God himself. But the thing is, we don't always worship God. Uh, let me show you what worship is according to the Lord. Look at Genesis 22. I know some of you know this already, but the, the first time the word worship shows up in the Bible, and you may remember the, the law of first mention, as you learn in, some of you learn in discipleship, the first time a word shows up in the Bible, there's a tendency for that word to be connected with a thought. And, and look at uh, Genesis 22, and look at verse number 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, that's a donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and what? Look at verse 6. What's he about to do? He's about to offer something up. He's about to sacrifice. The first time worship shows up in the Bible, it's not about, I just felt good. I just felt good. I just felt good. No, no, no. The first time it shows up, it's I'm bringing something to offer to God. Let me remind you. According to Romans 12, you're the sacrifice. You're to be a living sacrifice unto the Lord, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Real worship begins with you going, I'm laying down. I surrender. Can you guys, you guys you need to think about this. When, when um, Abraham went up that mountain, Abraham's over 100 years old. Okay? If I were to, if I were to gamble... All right, like, listen, my culture likes, you know, boxeando. We like to gamble on boxing, okay? So if I were to gamble on the old man versus Isaac, I'd gamble on Isaac winning. You guys with me? I think Isaac could have taken him. You know what Isaac had to do? Great picture of Jesus Christ. You're going to tell me a young man can't take a 100-year-old man? You know what Isaac said? Isaac goes, Dad, I see the fire and I see the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And I think with tears streaming down his face, he said, son, God will provide himself a lamb. I I guarantee you, Isaac probably saw his dad and thought, that's weird. Why is he so emotional? What's going on here? And they get to the top of that mountain, and and Abraham goes, you're it. I'm what? You're the sacrifice. Isaac could have fought. You ever think about that? You don't read about that. All you read about is him being laid down that altar and the father. Again, you got don't don't just read your Bible. Put yourself in it, man. Think about what you're reading. And here's a young man, and here's a very old man. That young man has to say, okay, Dad, I trust you. Now, that's easy to talk about in a message, hard to do in your life. All right, God, I trust you. I'll, I'll lay down on the altar. The old song goes like this, is your all on the altar a sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. Worship in the Bible is not just a feel-good session. Can you feel good while worshiping? Absolutely. But you know what worship's primary uh, opportunity is? Is for you to say, Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy of everything in my life. You are worthy of my adoration. I will lay myself down. I will lay down and submit myself. As the definition goes, the extravagant love and extreme submission. Lord, I will do that. And by doing that, I'm worshiping. Do you realize that when Brother Craig comes up here and passes the plate, that's worship? Do you know why I don't recommend that you goof off during that time and talk to your buddies and catch up? You know why I don't do it? Because that's worship time. That's sacrifice time. That's not just me throwing a check in the plate. That's me. If, if Brother Craig could hold it, I'd jump in the plate myself. Amen? Because that's the idea. It's, Lord, here is me. I am offering me. Now, here's the weird thing. You know you. 
And you know how broken you are and how messed up you are, and God still wants you. How amazing is that? You know what worship is? Worship is sacrifice, and sacrifice often begins with sacrificing of yourself. Now, let me just say this. Not, not as it says here, there are a lot of references to worship that don't include the mention of music. I want you to get a hold of that. Not every time that worship shows up is there music attributed to it. However, I do want you to know, oftentimes it is. But what I don't want you to do is, I don't want you to think that automatically that worship equals music because it doesn't. All right? There are times where worship takes place and someone is simply talking to God. There are times, as you see with, with Abraham, where worship took place and it was Abraham's submission to God's will and God saw that as the highest level of worship that man could provide to God. Worship does not always equal music. However, can I say this? When you incorporate music into worship, you are bringing in a very powerful dynamic that you cannot ignore. Look at Psalm chapter 66. Psalm 66. You know what happens when the, when the Israelites cross the Red Sea? They sing the song of Moses. And, and they sing this new song, uh, Psalms chapter 66. And they sing this new song. And, and you know what they're doing? They are praising God for what God did in delivering them. When, when the Lord comes back all right, and establishes his kingdom, the same thing is going to happen. Uh, look, if you would, at Psalm 66. This is a, a, a reference to after the tribulation. In verse 3, you read about God's power and how he stamps out his enemies and they submit themselves unto him. That would be the battle of Armageddon, the second advent. Look at verse 4. All the earth shall what? Worship thee. And what shall they do in response to that? They shall what? Sing. So, so yeah, it's clear that not all references to worship incorporate music, but you also cannot completely disassociate the idea of music from worship. The Bible says, They shall sing to thy name, Selah. Come and see the works of God. You know what, you know what biblical worship should do when music is involved? It should cause others to go, Man, what a great God. Not necessarily, what a great musician. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with good music and good musicians, but I'm telling you, at the end of it, it should go, man, what a great God they're talking about. That, that's what that should do in our lives. All right, so the association of worship is, is obviously, we see it with sacrifice. We understand it's not always connected with music. But let me also say this. There's an attraction to worship. In other words, there, there are... Some people involved, some beings, I'll say it this way, there are beings involved that want your worship. Uh, look at Exodus chapter number 34. Exodus 30, this is midweek Bible what? Right. right? Uh, Exodus chapter number 34. And uh, look if you would here at verse number 14. This is uh, the Lord speaking to Israel. Exodus 34. And uh, no, that is definitely not the reference. Uh, no, I'm in the wrong book. That would be why. Exodus chapter 34. I was reading about somebody getting circumcised. I'm like, that ain't it. That ain't it. Look at Exodus 34. And look, if you would, at verse uh, number uh, 12. There, here's a warning that God gives to Israel when they go into the promised land. And they start taking over. Take heed to thyself. First person you ought to worry about is you. Amen. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. Now, you may go, well, I'm not going in to conquer a land, and I'm not making... No, but, but when you go out in the world, you establish the boundaries as to how far you're going to go with the world. You know what the Lord says? Don't make any deals with the devil. Don't make any deals with the world. Because if you do, you're going to end up worshiping the wrong thing. Look, if you would, at verse 13. But ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god... For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. And you go, well, I don't want to worship a jealous God. Well, then you don't want to worship the God of the Bible. Right. Can, can I say this? He, he uh, uh, reserves the right to be jealous over his creation and over buying you and saving your soul. All right? So God merits the, the, the opportunity to say, look, I don't like it when you worship other things. I don't like it when you worship other people. Uh, you might remember, and I won't have you go there, but the devil also desires worship. You might remember when, when the devil comes to Jesus in the wilderness, he goes, all you have to do is fall down and what? Worship, worship me. And you know what that shows you? God merits it. The devil desires to steal it. 
All right, so let me, let me say this. If, if, if worship is something that God is seeking from us and God is seeking true worshipers, don't you think the devil wants to get in there and mix all that up? That, that's, that's the devil's job. Like we learned on Sunday, he wants to, if he can't convince you, he wants to confuse you about what is proper when it comes to worship. You know what blows my mind? I've had people that for years have asked me about music for years and they've not made it to one of these studies. Who do you think is trying to keep you from that? You know why? Because he wants you to stay confused about the matter. And listen, listen, God wants your desire, his desire is for you to learn what real worship is. Now, look at Revelation 13. You know what's going to happen in the end times? The Antichrist is going to get the whole world to worship him. And if you don't think that music's going to be a part of it, you're not reading your Bible. Uh, Matter of fact, we're going to go to the Old Testament to see an example, a type or a symbol of a king who was a type or a picture of the Antichrist that will come. But when the Antichrist shows up, you know what he does? He picks up where the devil left off with Jesus. He wanted worship. He couldn't get it from Jesus. So you know what the devil does? Okay, I'll get it from his creation. And I will confuse them. Listen to me. And I will, I will, de- I will deceive them. And they're going to enter in a strong delusion so that when they worship me, listen, this is important. When they worship me, the devil, they're going to think they're worshiping God. Because when the Antichrist sits in the temple and takes that position, you know what it says? He makes himself as if he was God. The idea is he wants that position. That goes back to the Lucifer following in Isaiah 14. Here's what blows my mind. Educated, first world countries, you know, we're beyond this superstitious stuff. You know, we, we don't believe in the God and the devil. And yet in the tribulation, everyone's going to worship one man. Isn't that wild? That's crazy, man. You say, how does that happen? A little bit at a time. You know how I think it's going to happen a little bit at a time? I think you're going to have a lot of people that are used to going to church. And their idea of worship has been skewed a little bit at a time with every passing generation. So that when the Antichrist shows up, they're not going to, they're going to see it. They're not going to notice it at all. Uh, look, look, if you would, at uh, Revelation 13 and verse number 8. Revelation 13 and verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall what? Worship him. Who's the him? The Antichrist, whose names are not written in the book of life of the la- uh, book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any if any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killed with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here's the patience and faith of the saints. Go down to verse twelve. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to what to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. You go, man, how in the world would the entire world... God, all I can tell you is this. It takes some you know, person doing a dance with music for a, a trend to start online via TikTok or Instagram reels or whatever else where in the entire world will see some stupid song and dance in less than 24 hours. So it's going to be really easy to get everybody around this idea. We've got to get together. We've got to get together. We've got to get together and worship this person that finally brought peace on earth. You say, what, what is it? It's great deception. You don't think there's going to be people that were going to churches right now? If the rapture happened right now, there'd be people that have been going to churches for years and weren't saved. And they're going to have their idea of what worship is. And when the Antichrist shows up and the world worships him, for some, maybe not for all, but for I'll say a majority of them, they're not going to see a difference. They're going to see it just like what they were doing before. You say, how do you do that? You change the worship scene a little bit at a time. You know why worship should be different in the church? You know why music should be different in the church? So that you never even get close to the two. Whatever goes on out there, that's out there. And whatever goes on here, that's different than out there. And what you listen to in your car should be different than what's being listened to out there. Now, Now look, I recognize it. I recognize it. Some of you think I'm just, you know, maybe even for some of the young people. I don't know. Maybe you just think it's an old man ranting and raving about old-fashioned stuff. When you're right with God, your music changes. And when you're not, you gravitate towards things that are darker. And, 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 it, and, it, and it changes based on where your heart's at. So what you have to watch is ensuring that our idea of worship is in line with the Lord's because... Look, guys, for, for sake of time, I'm not going to go there. You know what happens in Daniel chapter number three? This guy named uh, Nebuchadnezzar has this image built. And uh, you, might, you might remember there's another person in the Bible that has an image built to his honor. His name is the Antichrist. 
And, 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 and Nebuchadnezzar, when he has this image built, you know what he requires? Everyone that's there, when the music starts, what are they supposed to do? Fall down and worship. That music was the commencement of that worship service. So, so listen, there is great power in what we connect with worship inside of the church, not just inside the church, but inside of your heart. Let me ask you a question tonight. What, what matters to you most right now? Is it your job? Is it your money? Is it your car? You know how I know if it's your car, if someone barely scratches it, <laughs> it's going to burn someday. I'm not saying not to care about your stuff and be a slob and all that, but you, you can take that thing too far. What are you worshiping? What matters to you right now? What's the thing that you're just constantly thinking about? Is it the Lord or is it a person? Is it the Lord or is it a thing? You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and depending on what it is, it's what's going to consume your mind. And if what's consuming your mind is the Lord Jesus Christ, there ought to be a song in your heart. And there ought to be worship associated with that. You know what worship does? Worship's associated with power. And let me just say this. There are a lot of people in this world that go, I want power. And sometimes they go to dark places to get it. You, you might remember the maniac of Gadara. The Bible says you could, he cut himself with, with, with the, 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 the stones and he, he basically self-mutilated himself. The Bible says that he was naked. The Bible says that they tried to tame him with chains and they couldn't do it. He had supernatural power. We talk about God breaking chains. Can I say this? The devil can too, but just in the wrong way. So you have to be aware of the power that is spiritual wickedness in high places, Ephesians 6. And the, the devil wants to get in your life. He absolutely does. And so when we come and we worship here at church, we want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. But power itself is not the sign of God. It must be a power that is pure, that brings more control in your life. What I would say is this. If any kind of worship music brings less control over your flesh... It's not the right kind. Right. Now, now, look, you may go, well, I don't know how to discern all this stuff. Have you, got, have you talked to God about it? Amen. Have you said, Lord, I want to know? Um, I was just reading my Bible this week. You know what Solomon does? Solomon says, Lord, I want wisdom. And the Lord is so impressed with that. The Lord gives him a whole lot more than just wisdom. But you know what Solomon says? I don't know how to lead your people. I, I don't know how to do this the right way. God, you have to give me wisdom. The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Are you asking God? Now, you know what a lot of people do when they hear a series like this? They go, well, that's just your opinion. Have you studied it? Are you listening? And we go, well, uh, yeah, okay, that's right, but I don't even know how to do that. Have you prayed and asked God? You know, I don't think this. I think if the Lord, if you genuinely go to the Lord and go, Lord, is what I'm incorporating in my life as worship, does it please you, or is it just gratifying to my flesh? I think the Lord's going to show you that. You know, I, I, I was reading this guy. His name is uh, Michael Hamilton. Uh, brother, you go to the next slide. And uh, for modern Christians today, here, here's what he said. American churchgoers no longer sort themselves out by denomination. It's not even about doctrine anymore for a lot of churchgoers. You know what it's about? The musical experience. Yeah, sure. Now you go, well, that's not true. Maybe not here, but I can tell you that's absolutely true in a lot of churches. All you got to do is talk to other professing Christians. I'm not saying they're not saved. But you know what? Their knowledge of the Bible is oftentimes very shallow. You know why? Because you get 45 minutes of music, 10 minutes of some guy giving you a little moral lesson, and then you call it good and go home. All right? you, you, can't get a, you can't get in a Bible with as long as your pastor goes and as late as we stay. I still cannot give you enough to combat what you're dealing with once you leave this place. No way. But what I am going to tell you is this. You don't pick a church based on, I like the music. <laughs> That's not how you pick a church. Uh, listen, here's what he says. When one chooses a musical style today, one is making a statement about whom one identifies with, what one's values are, and ultimately who one is. Your music says a lot about you. Amen. Absolutely does. L listen, if you're listening to music that makes women a piece of meat and calls them, you know what, and this and that, you're going you're gonna to have a problem with your eyes, son. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. And listen, if you're listening to music, young ladies, that, that talk about you, you know, doing things you shouldn't do, you're going to have a problem with getting around guys and doing the wrong thing. Right? And listen, adults, if you think I'm just talking to the kids, you're wrong. You are not, you're, even if you're married, I had a, one time I had an older guy say this, I'm old, I ain't dead. Do you know what that means? I still have sinful nature. 
All right? So you know what you have to do? You have to guard your mind and your heart on all this stuff. And listen, the reason why it's important what you listen to out there, because if you eat junk food all week and then you come on Sunday and someone gives you vegetables and mashed potatoes, you're like, well, where's the, where's the fries? Where's the corn dog? You ever get kids that eat like, you know, my kid will only eat dino nuggies. That's because you only let him get away with that. At my house, it's like, well, this is what you're eating. Well, I don't want it. Well, that's the last time you're ever going to say that. Right? So, so if you are on a junk food diet and then you have to eat good food, man, it's hard. Tomorrow, Isabella is going to have me start in the sink for a couple weeks to kind of, you know, you know, I put on some pregnancy weight. It's been really hard on me. And uh, so Bella, you know, I, I was joking around with the kids, you know, and being a goofy dad and, you know, and, and, and Emma goes, dad, you just got a lot of blubber these days. I'm like, Ooh! <laughs> I said, Bella, it's time, you know, and I can just tell you tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and eat uh, cauliflower rice. Who's excited about cauliflower rice tonight? Uh, all right. I appreciate that. Amen. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> but, but you know what? It's good for me. There's some things in your life that you're going to have to change because they're just right to change. Uh, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Can I ask you a question? Whatever happened to people going to church based on doctrine? Right. You, you don't pick a church based on, well, I like their music. That, that's kind of like dating a guy because he's cute. He better learn how to work. He better have some character. You understand what I'm saying? Like at a certain point, you've got to grow up. And as a Christian, you've got to grow up. And you've got to say, okay, when I was younger, I saw things this way. But as I've grown in the Word of God, I realize it's not just about what I like and what makes me feel good in the moment. I need something that's going to get me through some hard times. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. You know what gets you through it? Doctrine. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, look at you at verse number 16. Uh, Brother Joe, are you there? Would you read that nice and loud for us? All right, what's the first thing in that list? Doctrine. All right, you know, what, you know what Paul says in Titus? Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. How can you speak something if you don't know what it is? Right. All right, uh, listen, in John 18, the high priest asked Jesus of his doctrine and his disciples. You know what that tells me? When someone asks someone about their doctrine and their disciples, whatever you believe will affect who you run with. Amen. Amen. Uh, Paul says it this way, that was fully known my doctrine. In other words, what Paul believed was not a secret. It wasn't like, well, I'm not sure what he believes about eternal security. I'm not sure what he believes about the Bible. I'm not sure what he believes about music. It was all out there. Does it make sense? Amen. It wasn't done in secret. You could look at Paul. He was an open book. All right, what, what your music, uh, what, whatever you listen to, and whatever it is you incorporate into worship says something about you. All right, let me, let me read this quote to you. The kind of music a church offers increasingly defines the kind of person who will attend because for this generation, music is at the very center of self-understanding. Now, this is not a saved guy. He's just talking about music and what Christians do at church. Yep. So you know what that tells me? You cannot just, when, I heard this years ago, choose the church of your choice. Wrong answer. Choose the church of God's choice Amen. for your life. Can, can I be honest with you? There are things that I would not choose. I wouldn't. You know what God chooses? The foolishness of preaching. I wouldn't choose that. If I'm God, I'd spray paint it in the sky. You're all going to hell unless you get saved. <laughs> Maybe you find a better way to say that. You, and if you were God, I guess you could do that, right? But neither one of us is, so let me speculate for a moment. If I was, I'd do it that way. But I'm not him. And so there are things that he has chosen that please him that don't always please my flesh. When you play music, listen, you also embrace a style. A style suggests the ways to sit, the ways to sing, ways to feel rhythm. A style also suggests ways to think. Do you realize if you listen to worship music that makes your God like relevant and cool, he's like your bra. And he's not. Do you understand? That's why when you mix this stuff with the worldly idea of what music is and what's cool, and what's, you're, you're mixing things that don't, it's oil and water. Now, someone will come to me and go, Peter, I just think you're trying to draw too hard a line. Okay, where would you draw it? You know what some of you do? You're hypocrites. You say, well, you're just too hard. Okay, if I told somebody that like rap, well, acid rock Christian music's okay. You'd say, no, it's not. But I like Christian rap. Am I, am I hitting on something? You guys are really quiet right now. 
so, so do you understand what I'm trying to get at here? I, I'm just saying you need to have enough discernment in your life to go, there needs to be a line. Right. At least understand this much. There is a line. <laughs> and for you to go, I don't, I don't think there is a line. Well, you're, you're not being true. Okay, then you know what? I'll tell you, what, there's no line at all. Leave your house unlocked at night. Don't worry about anything. Uh, let your kids do drugs because there's no line. Oh, yeah, there's lines over here, but not with this. This is kind of different. It's kind of like whatever I want it to be. Where in the world would you get the idea that God gives you instructions on every area of your life, and then when it comes to worship and music, you're like, pick whatever you want? I, I think the Lord cares about it maybe more than we realize. Now, you know, when, when Moses goes to the children of Israel, and oh, by the way, uh, you remember when uh, Peter's at that fire, and that girl goes, thy speech be thee? You know, she said, you're trying to hide who you are, but it's coming out. And, you know, it, who we are comes out in what we like to watch, what we like to listen to, and what we feel represents God. But if your image of those things does not line up with the truth from God's word, then you have to reconcile yourself with the truth and not how you feel. Does that make sense? And, and I want to be clear about this. I, I believe this. I believe that when you feel something, it's real to you. But it doesn't mean it's true. You understand? A kid can be frightened out of their mind of the dark. That feeling is real to that kid. It doesn't mean there's actually something to be afraid of in the dark. It doesn't mean that their feeling is truth. It's real to them, but not necessarily truth. And so when it comes to worship, we have to understand is this. There may be feelings that people have, but it doesn't mean that it relates to truth from God's word. This does not mean you come to church and go, Immortal, invisible God. Like you're just dead. God's not in that either. There ought to be feeling. You ought to be stirred. And that, that we already went through that. But you have to draw a line and say at some point and go, listen, just because it has the name Christian on it doesn't mean I'm going to automatically swallow it. Right. Moses, when he comes to those people in the camp and they just did a whole worship service with the golden calf, you know what he does? He says, who's on the Lord's side? He says, get on this side. And you know what I think is missing? The idea, look, old-fashioned, like, boy meets girl, and they get married. Like, that's kind of like how the civilization got here. Okay? So I know this is going to be offensive to some people, but if everyone turned gay overnight, overnight, and we don't have a society, you understand that? There's no way to do this. Oh, we can do this genetically. Listen, you're done. God designed it for a certain way for a certain reason. All right? Now, let me ask you this. A person wakes up and goes, I think I'm gay. Question, do they really feel that? They could. A man could feel an attraction to a man. A woman could feel an attraction to a woman. Let let me ask you a question. Does that mean that it's truth? All right. So, so, okay, you know what? Some of you are real stiff right now. Let me help you out a little bit. Um, Let's say I, I, as a heterosexual man, see a woman and I'm attracted to her, but I'm a married man. Should I continue in that attraction or should I put the brakes on? Why? Who are you to judge? Yeah, but what, see, see, it works that way automatically, but when it comes to the gay thing, you're like, well, I don't know, and it's kind of, you know, and it's 2022, and I'm not sure, and ooh, oh, Matrix, bing, 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 gotta get away from whatever you're saying because it's making me uncomfortable. You know, dodge the, the Bible there, you know. Like, like, if it's true, it's true, right? All right, so, so, so listen, if a man felt that way for a man or a woman felt that way for a woman, she might or he might actually feel that. Does it mean that it's sound doctrine? Okay, take that principle and apply it to music. So you are, most of you aren't gay, so you're like, yeah, amen. Then come to music, you're like, well, I don't know, I kind of... <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? If truth is absolute, you take those principles and apply them across the board. And let me say it like this. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Over there in the Old Testament, he talks about them. The Lord says, I, I'm giving you a chance to walk in the right path. And you know what he calls it? The old paths. Yeah. And you know what some people might say when they come to church? Your music's like kind of old-fashioned. Okay. Yeah. And, and you guys still like preach from like a book book, like a, a Bible. Like, like how come you don't have like an iPad like scripture thing? You know, or, or why isn't every... Listen, I'm not picking on anyone, but the average churchgoer, when they first come to our church, they'll look around going, why does everybody have a book in their lap? Why do you suppose that that is? Because if you can convince everybody, just bring your app. 
That's, that's, you say, why did, now you, no, 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 don't, you're not talking to a guy, listen, I run a business, a successful one, technology's part of it, don't look at me and go, you have your head in the sand, no, 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 you don't know what you're talking about, I have no, my, my head's not in the sand, I will tell you this though, the way to get everybody programmed is by a device, and you know he did not say, seek ye out of the device of the Lord, he said, seek ye out of the book of the Lord. Sure, there's a place for, like, I'm on the road, and some guy asked me a Bible question. I want to show him my Bible's not there. Okay, fine. But, man, when you come to church, I'd open that book up. Amen. It's, it's, it's a special thing. Well, why is it changing in other churches? Not because we're right and everybody else wrong. I'm not saying that. Don't beat your chest and say we're, we're the best. That's not the point. The point is what's happening out there is on purpose. And you have to recognize that. And, and, and it's a whole lot easier to control everybody if they're programmed by the same device. What am I saying? Well, what I'm saying is this. You need to draw a line in the sand when it comes to this subject. Amen. And we kind of have to decide, like, <laughs> you remember the Abbott and Costello? Uh, uh, and, bro, you don't have to play it right now, but the Abbott and Costello, who's on first? Remember that? Yeah. You know, like, who's on, who's on first? Yeah. No, I said, who's on first? That's who it is, you know? Remember that whole thing? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, All right. So, Steon will hook you up later on. I get it. <laughs> He's like, no, I have no clue. That's all right. We'll take care of that later. But, but it's a, a good humor, clean humor, great stuff. But you know what the, the funny thing about that whole thing is you, you kind of go like, well, who is on first? When it, when it comes to, it's a baseball analogy. If you don't like baseball, sorry. When it comes to the church and worship, who's leading it? Is it the world or is it the word of God? And, and you kind of get to go like, who's, who's leading this? Where is this coming from? And again, I, I've said this so many times, I kind of get tired of saying it, but I'm going to say it again. Not every new song is bad, okay? Not every worship song by a worship artist today is bad. I didn't say that. I am saying this. You need to have enough discernment to go, where is this coming from? What does this do? What does this music do in my heart and in my mind? Why? Because there's a battle. Go to First John chapter 2, and we'll kind of stop here tonight. First John chapter 2. Yeah, man, that's it. That's it. First John chapter two. Uh, first John chapter number two. If you stay afterwards, we're going to find a secret door over here. We'll do a second service, okay? <laughs> all right. First John chapter two. All of you that want that second portion, come see me. We'll go get there. Uh, first John chapter two. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, fifteen. God puts us in here for a reason. The reason why music is so powerful is because it connects you with a spirit. And not all music belongs to the spirit of God. And even, listen very carefully, even some things that are called Christian today aren't. Question, question. Uh, let's see here. Uh, here we go. All right. Um, yeah, that's not it. Colossians, you know, you know the reference. Go to. Uh, I'll just read it to you. Tell me if you see this. If you think this sounds a little bit off, okay? Colossians, chapter one. In whom we have redemption, verse fourteen, the forgiveness of sins. What's missing? Through his blood, in whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. What's missing? It says Bible on it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are, listen to me carefully. If you are a Bible believer and you think the words matter, okay, that should say something to you. But it has the right stuff on the cover. It's what's on the inside that makes the difference. And you have to understand, you're, you're, not, you're, you're in a different time today. Everything's been muddied. And even when it comes to worship music, you've got elements of the world all through this stuff. Um, I played some music a little bit ago, and man, I, I, could, I could tell some of you kind of like, man, can you lay off a little bit? Can you back off a little bit? I'm not doing that to hurt you. I'm doing that to try to help you. Because here's what I know about, about a lot of what is modern worship music. It's so close to the world, I guarantee, and I've mentioned this before and I'll say it again, 
it's like the gateway drug. You'll start there, and before you know it, you're back to 107.1 or 106 point, or whatever your fancy might be. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. All right, you'll be back there soon enough. You know why? Because it's so close to what you've been listening to the whole time. There's something about the music that's sung here. I'm not saying that we are the only ones that do it. We're not. But the music that is sung in this church, it is intentionally done a certain way. It's intentionally done to go, there's a clear line in the sand between what's going on out there and what you're about to do in offering worship of the Lord in here. And it's intentionally done that way. All right? Uh, look at First John chapter number 2, and look, if you would, at verse number 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, that doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you're not loving God like you ought to. I'm going to break it down real simply. Your, your love for the Father is not where it ought to be when you got the love for the world. Amen. All right? And you know that. you only got so much capacity in your life. There's only so much room for everything in your life. And if you make room for the other stuff, you don't make room for God. It's really simple. And, and, and when it lists things, look at verse 16. It lists out the three elements of the world. We'll dive into these more next week. All right. Next week, we'll look at uh, I say next week. I probably won't be here next Wednesday <laughs> night. Uh, but uh, the next time we do this, we'll go through these. Look at verse 16 for all that is in the world. Here it goes. Number one, the lust of the flesh. Yeah. Number two, the lust of the eyes. And number three, the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. Those three elements are the same three elements found in the Garden of Eden in the temptation there found in the wilderness when Jesus Christ is tempted. All right? That last one I want to call your attention to real quickly. It, it talks about the pride of life. You know what kicked Luth, Luth, uh, uh, Lucifer out from heaven? You know what kicked him out? You know why he got kicked out? Pride. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Music can get you to worship yourself. Pride. No one's going to tell me what to do. Brother Jose thinks he's coming in there and he's going to teach me what, you know, what's right for my life. He doesn't know what's right. Look at his stupid mustache anyways. I'm not listening to that old cop. I know what's better for my life. What's he going to teach me? I, I've seen it. I've seen, you know, teenagers are just like adults. Sometimes you come to church and you're kind of like, bless me if you can, preacher. You know? And, and, and so that happens there and it happens in here. I've watched it. I've watched people come in. I get on a certain subject and I can just see it. And then before, it's like this at first, and then before you know it, it's like this. And then it's like this. And when it goes really long, it starts looking like this. I've watched it before. And I don't mean this to sound like a, a jerk at all. That doesn't hurt me. It breaks my heart. But I'm going to keep on doing what God's called me to do. You seem miserable, so I ain't joining you. But you know what that is? It's pride. Uh, can, you, can you play that little clip? I'll get my DJ in the corner over here. You got it? No sound? Okay. Well, maybe the Lord just said shut that one down. We'll leave it there for now. Um, let, let, me, let me put it to you like this. There's some music that will just get you to think, listen to me, about you and how I feel and what I want and how they treated me and where I'm at and what's going on with me and how I'm depressed and how I'm, 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 I'm really, my, my, how shall I say it, my ability to stomach people talking about how bad their life is in a first world country is becoming very thin the longer I live. And I know people have problems. We all do. I'm not making light of your problems. But you understand the music can get you to think about, you say, what is that? Pride. And, and listen, God doesn't want any of the elements of the world in your life and in your heart. Lust of the eyes, music can get you thinking about things you shouldn't think about up here and looking at certain things you shouldn't look at. Music can get you in the flesh and make you angry 
It can make you sensual. It can make you all kinds of things. Listen, I, I, I know this much. If you come to church and you get sensual when you sing nothing but the blood, there's something really wrong with you. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. Um, and in the pride of life, you know what's bl- a blessing about real worship? It's not about us. It's about him. Amen. Uh, grab your blue hymnal. Joe, if you'd come up here real quick. Um, look at uh, look at number one and stand with me real quickly. I believe it's number one. A worship with him. Yeah. yeah. Now, now let's be honest. Let's be honest, and tell me when you sing this. Do you not see God in a majestic position? Do you see God as like your bro, your cuz, or do you see him as someone? that deserves your worship. Let's sing it, brother, if you would. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above, and gratefully sing His power and His love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilion in splendor and girded with praise. Oh, tell of his might, oh, sing of his grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space. His chariots of wrath, the deep thunder clouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. Just the ladies, verse three, ready, ladies? Thy last verse guys you gotta be honest that's like the first off the language is poetic it reads like your bible that should be clue number one number two there's rhythm absolutely there's rhythm but man it is not what's carrying this entire thing you got a melody you could follow that really quickly you know what's different about modern music you have no idea where it's going you know, you don't know what the next note's going to be because they're all over the place. Am I right or am I wrong? All right. Well, you know what's a blessing about this? You can read it. You can follow it. It's kind of like having a Bible in your hand. All right? And, 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 and can I say this? As you sing this, if your heart's in the right place, man, think about your God and how great He is. What He does, how He provides, who He is. Sing verse 4. Frail children of dust and feeble as frail, in thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end, our maker, defender, redeemer, and Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Thanks for being here tonight. Um, if you have questions about what we've been studying, and I, I can answer them. I'd be more than glad to do that. But I want to challenge you in this area. I really do. Let's close in a word of prayer. And uh, Brother Steon, if you would dismiss us here tonight.